MSW Media. Thanks to Hunter Douglas for supporting Daily Beans. Hunter Douglas makes innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems that can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day and bring greater convenience, style, and comfort to your home. Go to HunterDouglas.com slash Daily Beans today to get your free Style Gets Smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. And please join me in thanking Credit Karma for supporting the Daily Beans. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. Today, Donald Trump is held in contempt of court and must pay a $10,000 per day fine. CNN gets a hold of the over 2,300 Mark Meadows texts turned over to the 1-6 committee. A judge rules on the motion in limine in the Sussman-Durham case. And Elon Musk buys Twitter. I'm your host, Allison Gill. And I'm the disappointed Dana Goldberg. I just we knew it was going to happen, AG. I just didn't want it to happen. No, and I've we've I've already lost like fifteen hundred followers. Yeah, just like that. People leaving the platform, and I get it. I understand. I am not going anywhere, nor are any of the important voices that I know. We've all come together and decided to stay put so that we can speak out. Indeed, and I am one of them against the uh, whatever happens. And I will continue to put out my threads and the information and the news that you rely on. And as a matter of fact, if you're listening to this and you don't have Twitter, go sign up. Don't give them, you know, your phone number or anything. Just go sign up. Follow us over at Muller She Wrote, at Daily Beans Pod, at DG Comedy and at Allison Gill, because we need to have those voices and that information on Twitter as opposed to the disinformation that could likely flood the social media space. So I encourage everybody to do that. Now, we're going to go straight into the good news today. After the news, we have a lot to get to. And Dana, you're going to be out. Are you out tomorrow, starting tomorrow? I am. I'm going to be uh, traveling to New York, and I've got three events there that are going to take me away from recording, but I'll be back with you all in a week, and AG's going to hold down the fort and probably have some lovely surprises for you. Yes, indeed. Always the surprises. Okay, we have a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, former President Donald Trump is in civil contempt of court for flouting an order to comply with New York Attorney General Letitia James's subpoena. And that's according to a judge and the judge's ruling on Monday. Trump has to pay $10,000 a day until he purges his uh, his contempt, which means he, until he complies. Some details we aren't quite sure of yet is whether they're going to backdate it to his the, when he first defied the subpoena how long this could go on for, if they're going to file for an increase at any point. So we'll see what happens. But that is what the government asked. That is what Tish James asked for. So a lot of people were like, should have been more. It could have been. But this is what Letitia James asked for. And and generally, the judges award what, what the prosecutors want, or I should say the investigators. Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron found that there was no admissible evidence that Trump has been compliant. Boilerplate doesn't cut it, the judge declared. Addressing a figure absent in the courtroom, which is Trump, Engeron intoned, 
Mr. Trump, I know you take your business seriously, and I take mine seriously. Later punctuating that sentiment with the banging of a gavel. Ooh, I love the way Adam Klasfeld writes, by the way. Yes. If you're not following him and law and crime, you should be. The judge's ruling emphasizes a point made by Assistant Attorney General Andrew Amer early in his arguments, saying Donald Trump is not beyond the reach of this court's authority. Outside the courtroom, Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, he's just a gem, she told reporters she planned to appeal, calling the decision inappropriate and labeling the fine crazy. Wow, sounds just like her client. Mm, ask Alex Jones about that. It's less than half of what he had to pay. Quote, pulling teeth, right? The, the contempt order could be short-lived, though, if Alina Haba, Trump's lawyer, files a sworn statement detailing every step that was taken to locate potential documents. Because the judge was like, look, you're in contempt unless you can detail for us all of the time and energy and, and processes you completed to find these documents and were unable to find them. So that ain't happening. But uh, Ms. Haba says she will appeal the ruling. The ruling and Justice Engeron's comments represent a very significant victory for Ms. James. Take the W, everybody. And as we know, her office is conducting a civil investigation into whether Trump falsely inflated the value of his assets. Annual financial statements. Thank you so much, A.G. And I, I'm very unhappy I have to report this next story. Uh, Elon Musk struck a deal on Monday to buy Twitter for roughly $44 billion with a B dollars in a victory by the world's richest man to take over the influential social network frequented by, as we know, world leaders, celebrities, and cultural trendsetters, trendsetters, goodness, and day drinkers. Twitter agreed to sell it. <laughs> Twitter agreed to sell itself. Yeah, of course they did. To Mr. Musk for $54.2 a share. So right over $54 a share. That's a 38% premium over the company's share price this month before he revealed he was the firm's single largest shareholder. It would be the largest deal to take a company private, something Mr. Musk has said he will do with Twitter in at least two decades, according to data compiled by DeLogic. Now, the deal, which has been unanimously approved by Twitter's board, is expected to close this year, subject to a vote of Twitter shareholders and certain regulatory approvals. But it appears House Republicans bullied Twitter into the sale. 18 House Republicans, led by Judiciary Committee ranking member Jim Jordan, sent a letter Friday demanding Twitter's board of directors preserve all records related to the bid by Tesla and SpaceX's CEO, Elon Musk, to purchase the company. The rights propagandist had celebrated Musk's bid as a way to garner political gain by ending the company's purported political censorship. Whatever. Then its elected GOP champions responded to hesitation from and when Twitter's board raised the prospect of costly congressional investigation if his offer wasn't accepted. Mm. Now, the GOP's ham-fisted threat reflects the party's institutionalization of former President Donald Trump's authoritarian use of government power to impose political retribution on individual companies that defied him, particularly those that owned news outlets now. Republicans are adopting similar strategies in the name of fighting so-called, quote, woke capital, and right-wing media are cheering them on. This is going to be a shit show, but I'm with you, AG. I'm staying on. That's the only way to fight lies, and I'm going to call it disinformation. It's the only way to fight the lies that are going being told uh, before the midterms, and I do think this is a stunt to try and get as many of our voices out before the midterms as possible. So if you can stay on, muscle through it, we need you. Yes, we do. 
And in other news, CNN has obtained 2,319 text messages that former President Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows sent and received between Election Day and Inauguration Day. The never-before-seen texts include messages from Trump's family, Ivanka, son-in-law Kushner, and Don Jr., as well as White House and campaign officials, cabinet members, Republican Party leaders, January 6th rally organizers, Rudy, the pillow man, Sean Hannity, and other Fox hosts, to name a few. There's also text exchanges with more than 40 current and former Republican members of Congress, including Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and the list goes on. The text messages CNN obtained begin on Election Day, November 3rd. Um, Even before the election was called, Meadows was inundated with conspiracy theories about fraud, strategies to challenge the results, and pleas for Trump to keep fighting, right? Keep fighting. The messages from GOP activists and donors, uh, Republican members of Congress and state party officials appear to act as an echo chamber affirming Trump's false claims that the election was stolen. For months leading up to Election Day, Trump had claimed the only way he could lose is if the election were rigged. While Perry, Rick Perry, has previously denied. This is my favorite part. (laughs) On CNN reporting about his text messages to Meadows, CNN has confirmed that his cell phone and he it's his and he signed his name Rick Perry to his texts. That's my favorite um, part. I didn't text Meadows. This is Rick Perry. My phone number is 505. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And his signature included his name and his phone number. Dumbass. Other texts, however, include hints of doubt expressed by members of Trump's team and even Meadows himself about the veracity of conspiracy theories being spread by Trump's Kraken team. Those are the outside attorneys, you know, Powell and the Pillow Man and Rudy. Some key congressional allies who worked with Trump's campaign initially in its efforts to overturn the election, like Mike Lee of Utah and Chip Roy of Texas, ultimately soured on the approach as the January 6th congressional certification neared. And then we knew that from before. The texts also show how Trump allies were quick to deflect responsibility for the January 6th attack. Of course they were. Shortly after pro-Trump rioters breached the Capitol, one of his top aides began crafting a counter-narrative. At 345, Jason Miller suggested to Meadows and Trump Trump aide Dan Scavino, that Trump should tweet, hey, call me crazy, but ideas for two tweets from POTUS. First of all, number one, bad apples, likely Antifa or other crazed leftists infiltrated today's peaceful protest over the vote count, the fraudulent vote count. Violence is never acceptable. MAGA supporters embrace our police and the rule of law and should leave the Capitol now. Or number two, here's an idea for some bullshit. The fake news media who encouraged this summer's violent radical riots are now trying to blame peaceful and innocent MAGA supporters for violent actions. This isn't who we are. Our people should head home and let the criminals suffer the consequences. Neither of those things were tweeted, of course. But Trump's allies in Congress got the message on Antifa because at 3.52, just eight minutes later, seven minutes later, Marjorie Taylor Greene texted Meadows, Mark, we don't think these attackers are our people. We think they're Antifa, dressed up like Trump supporters. Five minutes after that, Gomert chimed in, texting Meadows, Capitol Police told me last night they'd been warned that today'd be a lot of Antifa dressed in red Trump shirts and hats and would likely get violent. By January 17th, Green was suggesting ways to keep Trump in office, telling Meadows there were several Republicans in Congress who still wanted then-president to declare martial law. Of course, she misspelled it, but she still said it, (laughs) which has been raised in heated Oval Office meetings a month earlier. Green recently testified, of course, that she didn't recall whether she discussed martial law with Meadows or Trump. But uh, keep in mind, I do not recall is probably not perjury. And 
more interesting than the 2,300 texts, Dana, that Meadows did turn over here that we're hearing now from mm-hmm. about CNN are the thousand or so he refused to turn over. Those are currently being litigated by Doug Letter and the January 6th committee. I would love to see those, though many have likely been obtained already by the committee from people on the other end of those texts. Indeed. Uh, all right. And the latest in the Sussman-Durham case, the judges issued an order that reads, quote, the false statement charged in the indictment does not relate to the substance of the shared material, but rather to Sussman's alleged erroneous statement that he was not attending the meeting on behalf of a client. Now, that's important because Durham wants to focus on whether the Alpha Bank data was dodgy or not. And here, the judge says those data aren't even at issue. So this is another quote. At Mr. Sussman's request, the court heard expedited argument on two issues that bear on the preparation of his defense. Number one, Sussman's motion in limine to preclude evidence regarding the gathering or accuracy of the data provided to the FBI, and two, Sussman's motion to exclude the government's proposed expert witness testimony. The court denied each in part and granted each in part. With regards to the evidence and the accuracy of the data, the judge tells Durham he can't bring it up unless Sussman does. Now, the court will let Durham discuss evidence about what the FBI decided about the data. Namely, that Alpha Bank allegations were unsubstantiated. And this is another quote from that story. Some of the evidence Durham discussed at the recent hearing does not fall into those permissible categories. In particular, the court will not allow representatives of the companies who maintain the servers that purportedly received communications from Alpha Bank servers to testify about their involvement in the FBI's investigation. Now, the judge says, contrary to what Durham says, the evidence has no bearing on why the FBI took the steps it did. Additionally, the court won't allow the discussion of the other agency's investigation into some data, so they won't allow that one. The court goes on to say that if Durham can prove his claim that Sussman knew the data was inaccurate, then they can introduce it. Finally, the judge says that in regards to Durham's expert testifying about the accuracy of the data, the court will largely deny that testimony because the accuracy info isn't allowed. It's not allowed in unless Durham can prove Sussman was aware that data was wrong, that it was bunk. Now, he can testify on limited things, though, including background information necessary to understand the relevant data, including the, quote, basic mechanics, architecture, and terminology of the kind of a computer, let's say, the systems at issue. Now, second, the type of conclusions that can be drawn from analyzing the kind of data Sussman shared with the FBI. And third, the methods investigators would use to validate or further examine that data. I don't know, I'm saying data, some people like data, whichever you like, just go with the story. So he can only testify about the accuracy. This is the thing. He can only testify about the accuracy of the data if Sussman wants to prove its accuracy. I love that because Sussman's been like, look, I, good faith. I thought it was accurate data. I was taken to the FBI. They investigate. Yeah. They determine whether it's accurate or not. And they didn't open an investigation based on me saying that I wasn't representing any specific parties. And the judge here is saying, look, your your whole conspiracy theory about the accuracy of the data and how it was gathered is completely irrelevant. And no, you can't have an expert testify about it. He can come in and tell us what it's called and, you know, how how it's generally gathered. But I don't want to hear about that. And I don't want to hear about the uh, CIA when he went to the CIA and their investigation of the same data, which is what Jaffe could have been indicted for and why his testimony was like being, you know, dampened and and uh, quashed by Durham here. So, yeah, basically, the judge is like, nah, I don't want your data conspiracy theories in my court. Love it. 
All right. Glad the court isn't going to let Durham do that because we don't need a conspiracy theory shit show about the Alpha Bank server. Uh, For more in-depth legal analysis on this, check out Cleanup on Aisle 45 tomorrow. And we will be right back with the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Beans. Planning ahead for a big expense? Do not put those car repairs or medical bills on a high-interest credit card. Credit Karma can help you look for low-interest personal loans that could save you money while you pay off your purchases. One due date per month will simplify your life, and Credit Karma will ensure you find the best option for your budget. With Credit Karma, you can find loan offers designed specifically for your credit profile so you know how much you might qualify for. Credit Karma is able to provide a clear indication of your chances of approval so you can choose loan offers you are likely to be accepted for and apply with greater confidence. On Credit Karma, comparing loan offers is 100% free. It will not affect your credit score to compare the offers, and it could save you money. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. And today's show is also brought to you by Hunter Douglas. As you know, I just gutted my house, redid the whole thing, And for my window dressings, I wanted to go with something that wasn't just, you know, design forward, but something that was also practical. And Hunter Douglas did just that. They craft beautiful window treatments with amazing fabrics and systems that automatically adjust to their ideal positions. Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, it's what it's called, and it automatically adjusts the shades according to the time of day. So it provides not just maximum control over the light in your home, but also privacy and your insulation. You'll love the way Hunter Douglas shades diffuse harsh sunlight. It gives your room an even warm glow. It's so welcoming and inviting and calming. And in addition to providing privacy, their shades help you save money by keeping your room warm in the winter and cool in the summer. So it also eases a little pressure on that power grid so it's sustainable and good for the planet. Your home is made more functional, fashionable, and comfortable as a result. PowerView is my favorite because it automatically adjusts no matter what time of day it is. So you always get that right balance of light, privacy, and insulation. Check out Hunter Douglas today. Just go to HunterDouglas.com slash Daily Beans today to get your free Style Gets Smarter Design Guide. It'll give you fresh takes and creative ideas, smart solutions for dressing your windows. It'll spark that creativity. That's HunterDouglas.com slash Daily Beans for your free design guide. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any good news or corrections or confessions or anything you want to send in, photos, will be stories. If you're making something, creating something, you got a small business, let us know about it. I want to hear about it. Um, if you're making cookies, you need to send me some <laughs> uh, and we'll tell you about that. Address is on the website, MullerSheWrote.com. And you can send all your stuff in at DailyBeansPod.com and click on contact. Dana, first up from Rosie, pronouns she and her. Hello, lovely ladies of the beans. Last summer... I wrote to share my niece and her wife were pregnant. I want to introduce you to my precious oh, great my nephew, Ezekiel. God. <laughs> He's the sweetest boy. I'm desperately in love with him. Both mommies are doing amazing, and they're doing an amazing job, and I couldn't be prouder of them. Thank you for all you do. Hey, gee, look at the lips. They're perfect. Look at the little leggy beans, like oh, just all squeeze the little thighs. Uh, <laughs> look at the smile. I need to go be a baby cuddler. Oh, yeah. my God. I know. The fire truck. Thank you for starting us off with this. So good. I'm all squishy. Okay. This next one's from Susan, pronounced she and her. 
I started sewing when I was a child. When the pandemic started, I no longer owned a sewing machine. Once I could buy one, I started making masks out of bed sheets for my family. Once I could get fabric, I made those. I started making enough to share. Being home with my kids as they were remote gave me lots of boring time. I started giving masks to my kids' teachers and then the whole school at a time. I've made over 1,500 and given 950 to the school. The extras have been for sale on Etsy. Now that the demand for masks has gone down, I'm sewing other things that interest me. Handbags, table runners, cup holders, mug rugs, etc. Sewing and helping others has helped me through these rough times. I'm including a picture of the wild variety of stuff I've been sewing. The second picture is one of my new table runner and placemat set. I made it for Easter and I totally love it. The third is my pet tax with our cats, Run and Ludwig, on uh, quilts I made but have not finished quilting during the pandemic maybe because the cats are also on it. It has been hand-sewn, and apparently I hate doing that. That's hilarious. (laughs) The quilt is full rainbow. The bottom right is red, and it goes gradually through to dark purple on the top left. Many things are on my Etsy shop, and that is www.etsy.com slash shop slash Susan McMacabee, which is S-U-S-A-N-M-C-A-B-E-E, Susan McAbee. Look at this stuff. Wow, this is beautiful. Sure is. Those colors. Ooh, I love the rainbow quilt. I know, it's gorgeous. On it. <gasps> wow. Oh, I like the animal the quilts. Look at the little murder mittens. Cute. Run. I wonder which one is Run. I love it. And which one is Red Ludwig? Probably Run. I guess I'm going to guess Run is on the left. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Thank you for that. That's beautiful. All right, so cool. So that shop is etsy.com slash shop slash Susan Maccabee. M-C-A-B-E-E. Cool. All right, next up from Felicity, pronouns she and her. Hello, Leguminati. All the listeners sending in whoopee stories have made me feel seen. And I was pleasantly surprised that mine is not the oldest by a long shot. For all of my 51 years, I've had a blankie. It's made of blue waffle weave fabric and originally had a satin binding. One of my earliest memories involves being on a bus trip with my mom at the age of three or four. The driver called me Little Chatterbox and jokingly tried to grab my blankie, which naturally caused me to scream bloody murder (laughs) for pet tax. I'm including a photo of my two favorite visitors to the bird feeder in our front yard. I've written in before about the feeder and the cardinal couple who frequent it. Here's the male, along with a bunny who has decided to supplement his diet of grass with bird seed. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, look at the birdie. I love cardinals. They're so pretty. Cool. All right, I'm going to just pop out these two short ones here. This is from Scott, no pronouns given. Just a quick shout out to Allison looking amazing on Greg and LB's show last Friday. Damn, girl. Thanks, Scott. What, what? What, what? And this is from Grandma, no pronouns given. Such good news. My pre-tween grandson recently told his mommy he was gay. We had suspected this, so it wasn't a surprise. Her response was so wonderful. It was her birthday, and she told him it was the best birthday present he could have given her. She told him that she loved him so much and was so proud of him and that she was so happy that he got to be part of such a wonderful community. And they talked and talked. Thank you for that submission, Grandma, and congratulations to your pre-tween grandson. I love that that she said it was the best birthday present she could have gotten. I know. It's very sweet. So good. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing family. Next up from Sharon, pronouns she and her, Allison and Dana. I've been listening to the Daily Beans and before that, Muller, she wrote since the kitchen table days. I can't tell you how much your podcast preserved my sanity during the dark ages, a.k.a. the Trump administration. I have something I'd like to offer for your good news section in the spirit of sharing creative projects. 
I'd like to share with the Leguminati's a long-term creative project of my sister, Muriel Stockdale, who has given me permission to write to you about this. Sometime around the beginning of 2002, while the U.S. was still reeling from the shock of watching the destruction of the Twin Towers, Muriel envisioned an art project dedicated to fostering inclusivity. At a time when jingoistic fervor was at a peak, her mission was to highlight the fact that the fabric of our nation has been woven from cultures from around the world. So for the past 20 years, Muriel has been making American flags, not like the American flags you can buy at Walmart. Each one of these flags is stitched from fabrics that are representative of different cultures, regions, or ethnicities. She calls this project E Pluribus, from the Latin phrase E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. She has shown these flags many times as the collection continues to grow, and right now, until May 1st, she has a solo exhibition, Our Flag, Restitch the Untied States, at Chashama Gallery, 1 Brooklyn Bridge Park. For those who can't make the show, there are 16 more of her flags on permanent display in the lobby of 315 Hudson Street, courtesy of Jack Resnick and Sons. I've attached two examples of these amazing flags. The first, dedicated to Native Americans, is meticulously beaded on buckskin and decorated with feathers. The flag in the second photo is dedicated to Americans of English origin. It's comprised entirely of Tudor roses for the stripes and crowns for the stars, all of which were embroidered by our mother. There are only two examples here of a vast collection. There's a French-American flag made entirely of wine corks with stars shaped from bent champagne cork cages. There's a Japanese-American flag constructed from origami paper with origami cranes for stars. There's a three-dimensional Dutch-American flag made from a field of artificial tulips, a Danish-American flag from traditional Danish bentwood, a Philippine-American flag created from bamboo tiles, Congolese-American flag from Congolese Cuba cloth, and many, many more. I've included a link to Muriel's website and the E Pluribus Gallery where you can see more of and read more about these flags and also a link to find more information about the current Chashama exhibition in case any listeners would like to see them in person and meet the artist. Please do go up to her and introduce yourself if you go. Look how beautiful these are. My goodness, and what a great story. This is incredible. It sure is. What an amazing idea. Okay, and we'll have the link in the show notes so everybody can check that out. And thank you to everyone for sending in these amazing good news stories and the stuff that you're creating and, and the babies and the kitties. And <laughs> just, I love it all. Thank you so much to this wonderful community. Don't worry. Again, we're not going anywhere on Twitter and I'm not going anywhere for a while. Not until they remove me somehow. So I will be here and uh, I'm glad that you are too. Dana, do you have any final thoughts before you travel? I actually do. I am doing this really cool event Wednesday in Central Park. I just lied to you where it's at. <laughs> I'm doing it in Times Square. There's a, and I said that got confused because there's a part, part of Times Square that it's in. Anyway, there's a Broadway play right now called POTUS and it is produced by Level Forward, which is an amazing production company. And on Wednesday morning from actually afternoon from noon to two in Times Square, I'm going to be hosting a rally of a massive coalition of seven women-led organizations. And my co-host is a woman named Joelle Nicole Johnson. She's a hysterical comedian. Some of the cast is going to be there. Lily Cooper, Leah Delaria, Susie Nakamura, and I believe Julie White. And there's going to be a speaker from the seven organizations that we're making a massive coalition for the midterms and for this show. It's the ERA Coalition, Ignite, She the People, Supermajority Education Fund, Vote Mama, 
and uh, Center for Reproductive Rights and Black Voters Matter. And so if you happen to be in Manhattan or if you are in one of the boroughs and can travel in, it's going to start at noon. I'm going to post this on Twitter and I will also post it to the Facebook, the um, Patreon Facebook beans so that you can see it if you're in New York on how to respond if you would like to go because they would like you to register just uh, for number wise and safety and all that jazz. But that's it. Those are my final thoughts. It's going to be really fun and we want to get some, basically the show is about these, the seven women that keep the president from basically staying, keeping him alive and not blowing up the country. And so it's based on the women that surround the most powerful man in the world. Very cool. Yes. Okay. So not Central Park, but Times Square. Times Square. I'm sorry. I was looking at this um, to see if I could find the exact location in Times Square as we are talking, which is, uh, ah, that's why it's, it's Times Square's Father Duffy Square. So it's not a park in there. It's Times Square's Father Duffy Square. It's a small area, 7th Avenue between 46th and 47th Street. There's going to be a riser. Uh, you'll be able to see it. There's going to be a food truck with a woman-owned Ethiopian food truck. They're going to have a female DJ. It's going to be a party. So if you're there, come on down. Let's support the women in this country that are actually keeping this shit afloat. Excellent. Awesome. That's going to be amazing. I look I look forward to uh, seeing pictures that you post from that event yeah, and, and everything that you're doing this week in New York. And I look forward to speaking to you again on Monday. Yeah, I'll be back um, in May 2nd when you come back. Yeah. All right, everybody. Until tomorrow, I'll be back tomorrow with the Daily Beans. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. And vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>